Well, as the worship team is being redistributed, let me uh, take just a couple of moments before I begin preaching to, um, to encourage you. Thank you for coming uh, in the evening. I know a lot of you are singles and you stay for the singles program afterwards, which is great. Um, and we appreciate that. But I want to continually remind you uh, that we, at, at some of our services, are having to turn away people. And we hate that. We've got to get a building as soon as we can. I know I don't have to talk you into the fact that we need a new building uh, or a bigger building. Uh, but let me just say two things to you. First of all, let me say something that doesn't have anything to do with the building. Something that has to do with you. Tithe. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says, Malachi 3.10. Uh, and he doesn't do it so that you can provide for him. He does it so that he can provide for you. He says, test me on these things. So don't do that because of the building. Do it because God said it. That's, that's, that's the only reason. When God says something, we do it. But the other thing is, as we try to include, as we try to be responsible for, for accommodating what God's doing here, uh, please keep on your heart the, the, the need for a, a bigger building. And, and any extra you get in, if you could put it toward the here and there building campaign, we'd really appreciate it. Okay, tonight, here's what we're going to do as we, as we uh, um, go through the Gospel of John in exposition. We're going to study several passages. John, John pictures, John has the biggest picture of all the Gospel in, in what, has, what is happening cosmically. Uh, um, he, 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 he sees world systems going against uh, the, the kingdom of God um, and, and being used by the kingdom of God even as they're going against it. Let me... Let me remind you of something. Several years ago, uh, a psychiatrist by the name of M. Scott Peck, m- m- many of you have read Scott Peck's work, wrote a book entitled The People of the Lie. Um, it was a book that studied um, institutional evil. That, that is the, the arrangement of people that people could take where they would become less than the sum of the parts. Actually, the book had to do, this, uh, part of the study of the book was on the My Lai Massacre. And the question that he asked himself as a psychiatrist is, how could these men do this as a group when they never would have done that individual, individually? They never would have done that as individual people. But what makes, it a, a, what makes the, the, the mentality of a group that you can perform things that you never would have done as individuals? You, never, uh, you would have listened as an individual. You, you don't listen as a group. Some of what we're studying tonight is exactly that dynamic. That is world systems, governments, and all of us are part of world systems. And that's why we have to take a close look at what happened at the trial of Jesus. If you have your scriptures with you, turn to the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John, and we will see how God uses world systems to fulfill prophecy. What prophecy? Well, the prophecy of the, of the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, one, of the, one of the places where that prophecy is listed is in John 12, 31 and 32, where Jesus says this. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Of course, he's talking about himself on the cross right there. Now we'll see how God used supposedly impersonal systems to do exactly that. Starting with verse 19, it says this. The high priest therefore questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. There's an interrogation going on here, a system, systematic interrogation. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple 
where all the Jews came together, and I spoke nothing in secret. Why, why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I have spoken to them. Behold, these know what I've said. Now let me tell you what he's doing here. Jesus isn't paying any attention to the system. He's not worried about the system. He knows God's, God the Father's already taken care of that. What he's doing is he's, he's taking this opportunity to advise someone so caught up in his system of religion that he is just going through this whole thing because he's been threatened in his power. That's what, that's what systems operate on. They operate on power. You've got too much power. You're getting too much power. They're all concerned with power. And so he's, he's, but he's talking to um, the, the, the high priest as a person. He says, you know what? You, you've been caught up in this too long. You, know, you, you just need to listen to people. There's a concept for you. There's something that every system ought to, ought to, ought to listen to. You, you need to listen to people. You need to talk with people. And, and then he says this. I'm sorry, and then this happens. Verse 22. And when he had said this, one of the officers standing by gave Jesus a blow, saying, is that the way you answer the high priest? In other words, here's this power thing again. So systems are all about hierarchies. And so he, he, he answers Jesus with a blow because, again, he's threatened um, that Jesus would, would be this bold in front of the high priest. And Jesus answered, look, if I've spoken wrongly, bear witness of the wrong. In other words, if I'm doing something wrong, let me know. What, what is it? But if I've answered rightly, why do you strike me? You know what? Let me tell you something. As long as you're a Christian, you never have to worry about somebody having too much power. You only have to be concerned with who's right, who's speaking truth. You know why? Because in the end, truth is power. In the end, all that matters is if you're speaking truth. If somebody's not speaking truth, tell them. But don't worry about the power. God takes care of all that stuff. What are we, what are we saying about this world system of religion? That's the first world system we're studying tonight. This world system of religion. Please hear me. I'm not against Jews the Jews were following Jesus. That's what caused the alarm of Judaism. I'm talking about any religion, Christianity included, that cares more about the institution than it cares about the people. That is our tendency. We're just saying, don't lose the vision here, carried away by the motion. The vision, the original vision of Christianity was be connected to God. But what happens in institutionalism is that there becomes a hardening into a system, into categories. Now, I, now, again, please hear me. I'm not against the institution of the church. I am part of it. I love the local church. I will always be with the local church. The local church is so needed for the edification of believers. You know what it is when a pagan, you remember what it is when a pagan comes in. They don't have a clue. They, I, was, I was honored to, to take part in a, in a funeral this, this uh, week. It was a tragedy and a victory at, at the same time. Young man, early 20s, killed in, auto, in, in a, a motorcycle accident. And, uh, and the, the tragedy was he was so young, the, the victory was he was a solid believer. We knew that from several sources. Several uh, people had, had, uh, had, had, had um, questioned him about it, and he was just as solid with Christ as you can get. So it was a great victory. But there were many people, many of the, his peer group there, that, that were just as lost as a goose. But, well, of course, one of the characteristics, uh, when you're lost, you don't know you're lost, usually. You know, you go around and say, well, I believe in God. And if I die, I imagine I'll go up there because I haven't shot anybody. I'm as good as anybody else. And, and you just, you know, you're just lost. 
Um, but, but you don't think so. But any, so anyhow, they had in this thing an open mic, an open microphone, where part in the ceremony where people could come forward and say something. And I, I always get a little alarmed at that, but I, I kind of like it because, because it's always, it always turns out better than worse. But sure enough, you know, some guy gets up, you know, one of his, one of his peers and comes up to the microphone and says, Oh, Aaron, boy, he's in heaven right now, drinking all the beer he can drink, chasing all the women he can chase. Well, I thought to myself, you know, I, I think he's missing something here. <laughs> now, I wasn't offended. I wasn't offended because that's how, that's how, you know, if that's the highest thing you've ever thought was possible, that's, that's, you think that's what goes on in heaven because that's, that's the whole picture you got. But, but you're, kind, you're kind of missing something. It's like, it's like a little boy who wants to get married so he can tie cans on the back of his car. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, there's this whole wonderful thing that you you haven't discovered yet, and, and uh, um, you wouldn't have any idea what it is. And, and so, and so th there's, there's, a, there's a place for the church to edify believers and, and to bring them in and, and to say, you know, let us teach you about God so that, that the majesty and the, and the depth and the height of joy can really be pictured. That's wonderful. But what we have to be careful of, because we're human, is the institutionalization, is the, is, is the movement from, a, from, a, from, the, from the body of people that cares about God to the system of power that no longer cares about people and no longer cares about truth. Here is the personification of truth standing right in front of the high priest. He can't see it. Why? Because he's just a representative of the system. He's just going through the system. Now let's talk about the second world system. And this is one that, as well, all of us are involved in because it represent, represents all systems. It says in verse 24, uh, Annas therefore sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. And then in verse 28 it says, They led Jesus therefore from Caiaphas into the praetorium. Now, now from here he goes from the religious system to the secular system. The praetorium is the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium in order that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. This is, this is, this is comedy. I mean, it really is. It's so ironic. But here, I want to explain what's going on here. These are, these are uh, ceremonially uh, righteous Jews. Um, and so you all know the, the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. You can't come in contact with leaven. This is Passover, and they're, and, and they're going through. And so before Passover, of course, everybody goes and they, they, they uh, yeast, uh, they, they scoop up in a wooden spoon all the leaven in the house, symbolizing sin, so that the house can be clean and purified. And they take that leaven and they burn it up, symbolizing the burning of their sins so that they can be pure. Now, during that time, it's not wise to go into a Gentile's place because a Gentile would have leaven sitting around. They don't, they don't know if they're clean. And so here are Jews that are so afraid of getting near leaven, any yeast, and that they avoid it so that they can crucify the Son of God. <laughs> Think of it. Isn't that just like religion? To be better at ritual than righteousness. To be better at ceremony than sensitivity. That is religion. That's a world system of religion. And we do the same thing. Oh, I know how to practice my religion. I know, I know my favorite ways, and, and this is the way I get pure. Meanwhile, we're not talking to our neighbor. 
Well, come on with me some more. It says this. And Pilate therefore went out to them. What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, Well, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Well, that's no accusation. That's too general. They can't, what, what do you, how do you prove evildoer? You know, there's, they got nothing specific. But here's what they're looking for. They're looking for a professional courtesy. Look, we're the authorities of religion. You're the authorities of government. You fry him. You know, we're just, we're just looking for a little help here. Well, Pilate's not going along with it. Look at what Pilate says, verse 31. Pilate therefore said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. Now look, here's the central verse that we want to get to. That the word, they said this, that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Now here's what's going on here. Here are two world systems, one religious, one secular. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing, but Jesus knows exactly what they're doing. He knows exactly how God is using them. He can't be killed by the Jews because the only form of execution that the Jews have, even if it were legal, legal is stoning to death. He has already said, I'm going to be raised up from the earth. That says, that calls for crucifixion. And the only people that can do crucifixion are the Romans. And so not understanding what God is doing here, Jesus is seeing God use those world systems to fulfill that, that precise prophecy. Now, come on and, and read some more with me. Pilate therefore entered into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Now, I want you to see exactly what he's doing here. Again, he's not trying to defend himself. He's not mindful of all, of the, all that's going on systemically. He doesn't care. That's all, God's, that's all up to God. That's all up to his father. He sees a person standing right in front of him, and he speaks to the person. And he's saying, essentially, what God said to Adam in the garden. Where are you? Now, that wasn't a matter of geography. I keep telling you this over and over again. You can't play hide and seek from God. It wasn't like God saying, oh, I, I lost you. Where, what, my, what bush are you behind? You can't, God didn't lose him. He asked that question to Adam as a matter of biography. Where are you? Jesus was saying this to Pilate. Where are you? What do you think? And Pilate knew it. And he was so threatened personally. Look at what he said. He went right back to the categories. This is, this is the only thing that institutions can do. They go back to categories every time. Pilate said, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests delivered you up to me. What have you done? And Jesus said this. My kingdom is not of this world. Now, John only uses the word kingdom twice in his gospel. In all of the other gospels, this word proliferates. This concept proliferates the gospels. But John uses it in exactly the same sense that the other gospels use it. John uses it in a non-categorical sense. He said, in other words, the kingdoms of this world all have this in common. Boundaries. They are groups of people who are alike in certain ways who are different from everybody else. Are, they, are, they are nations with geographical boundaries. They are, they are peoples with ethnic boundaries. They are, they are in some way different from everybody else. This is the difference in the kingdom of God. 
In the kingdom of God, there are no world boundaries. The kingdom of God consists of anyone, of any race, any nation, any tongue under heaven that counts God as their king. That is the kingdom of God. It's a matter not of boundaries, but of rule. And Jesus says to him, my kingdom's not of this world. It's not like anything you've ever seen. Now that's very important because in a minute we're going to talk about what systematic or systems do to categorize people and pull them back into those categories. But come along with me just a little further. My kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate therefore said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus said, you say correctly that I'm a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Let's talk about the systems of this world as they apply to you. All of you are under the systems of this world. All of you are under some form of government, some form of, ma uh, of, of, of management, some form of authority. It's true whether you talk about work or you talk about the educational systems that you're in or you talk about the, the actual uh, po political government that we're under. It, it's true in the church. It's true um, in your, in your uh, affinity groups, in your little leagues. Every, where, wherever you look, there are governments. Now, the character of the governments are always because they, they don't feel like they can deal totally with individuals, is just to, to, to make categories and to keep those categories. And if they, can, if they can just keep in the categories, then they're all right. The problem with that is this. You lose your sensitivity to what God may be doing through an individual right in front of you at the moment. And you categorize them. If you can't categorize them, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to deal with them. And that's exactly this situation. He... Pilate really believes that he's the judge that day. He has no understanding that he's the one being judged that day. Because he's got this category. I'm a representative of Rome. And you, you're a criminal. And it's because of those categories, he could not see any farther than the categories. Now watch. When we do that, we miss the very thing that God is doing with us or in front of us. Um, I, some years ago in my, in my last church, one time a girl showed up uh, on Sunday morning and said, I'm, I'm a speech major in a college, and my professor sent me here to listen to your sermon to see how you deliver a speech. And I said, you're talking about the sermon. She said, that's right. And she said, I want to make one thing clear. I am not a believer. Don't care anything about the religious stuff. No, I'm not here for religion at all. Uh, I'm an atheist, but I, but I really, I've, uh, you know, he said you were a good speaker. And so I came to analyze what you had to say. My hunch, as soon as I heard that was, I bet she's an atheist, but I bet her professor's a believer. <laughs> I, I bet you anything, he sent her there to get her in an atmosphere where she could at least hear the gospel one time. Bet you anything. <laughs> well, I didn't say anything, but I said, well, great. Well, come on in. That's great. Wonderful. Good to have you. And just, you know, sit there and analyze away. And, and, and. <laughs> <clears throat> and so, and so I just started out and I just started uh, talking about the Bible like I always do. 
And because I just believe that the, the word doesn't return void. And, and so I just started explaining the Bible. And she's out there just writing and writing and writing and writing, you know. And, you know, you're writing and writing. And then, and then as, I, as I always try to do, especially when I'm mindful that there's some um, unbeliever, um, I, I just worked in the, the gospel as it, as it was. You know, the, the fact that we can't pay for our own sins, that Jesus Christ had died to pay for our sins, that that's a free gift. Um, not of works that any man should boast. And so if you want a, a relationship with God, you just need to accept that gift and, that, and then you can be saved and have a relationship with God. Just present it very plainly. Oh, she's over there writing, 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 writing. You know, and then I got done. And then, and then she's waiting on me afterwards. Well, go over to her. She's got this whole page. The whole thing's diagrammed. And she said, now I want to tell you. Now, now when you opened up, I can, see, I can see what you did in the introduction. You did this in order to get them here, in order to get them here. And I said, well, I, I don't know that I did that. I just started talking about the Bible. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah. And then she said, in the body of it. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, before we go any further, did you hear anything of what I was saying today? Oh, yeah. She said, I heard everything. Got it all right down here. And I said, no, wait, wait, no. What I'm talking about is, do you feel like at any point God may have been speaking to you personally. She looked at me indignant and she said, I told you I am a college student. I know you're a preacher. I knew you'd try this stuff and I'm not interested. I'll send you a copy of the paper when I'm done, but I'm not there. And that was the last I saw her. Now, I, I have a hunch God probably <laughs> chased her down. <laughs> I just, because I prayed for her a long time afterwards. And, and you know, you're all here because God chased you down. You don't, you don't drift in here. God chased you down. I'm here because God chased me down. So I'm, I'm, I'm just fairly confident God chased her down. But the point is, she could not hear that gospel because of her categorization. Because she wasn't listening to, to a person. She wasn't listening to a message. She was listening to a category. And that's exactly what a system does. It makes everything into categories. It stereotypes everything. Do you know how, I just read a few weeks ago, how the AIDS virus really works. This is very interesting to me. Uh, a, a microbiologist by the name of Denise Kirshner, University of, Me of Michigan Medical School, has, has created a new understanding of how the AIDS virus, the, the virus that, uh, I mean, the HIV virus, I'm sorry, the, the virus that leads to AIDS, um, really works. They used to think that that this virus went in, into the general circulation system and, and, would, and would kill white uh, cells on the spot. And, and when, eventually when it killed enough white cells out there, then there was no immune system so that you would get sick from the littlest thing. But they figured something out here. There is an insidious strategy that I think is a great metaphor for what Satan wants to do. The strategy of the AIDS virus, if you can call it that, is that it sends signals to the white cells to go home to the lymph system. As a matter of fact, the title is AIDS, or HIV virus homes white cells to death. It calls them into the lymph system, and when it gets them all deposited into the lymph system, it gives them signals to destroy themselves. Now, I can't think of a better analogy that Satan would have for a church than to say, 
Don't practice your Christianity out there. Practice it in here. I can't think of a better analogy of what secular society says to us. Look, we don't want to hear about your religion on the job. We don't want to hear your religion in politics. We don't want to hear your religion in, in, uh, on the sports field. We don't want to hear your religion anywhere. If you want to practice your religion, fine. It's your religion. You go to church and practice it. That's where it belongs. And it's like calling all the white cells back into the lymph system. Do you know what would happen to us if all of us confined our Christianity to this church? We'd kill each other. We would. We'd kill each other because we weren't meant to sit around and try to debate the color of carpet of a place. And that's, that's what it had come down to. It all come down. We were meant to be out there. And so not only would we kill each other, we would leave the world without a witness. We would leave our culture without the very protection that God puts us out there to perform. When Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world, he meant it doesn't have any boundaries. My kingdom's out there, see? And people that love me live their lives out there as a part of the world. And that's something that Pilate couldn't understand. And when that concept was presented to Pilate, he dropped out. Watch what it says. This is in verse 38. After Jesus says, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, Pilate said to him, what is truth? You know what he just did? He has given up on the fact that there is a general truth that fits everybody. Anybody studied postmodernism? If you have, you will notice, you will know one of the main factors of postmodernism is the, is the sense that there is who would be arrogant to think that they have a truth that fits everybody. Nobody has the truth that fits everybody. Truth is just what applies to you, what, it works, what works in your life, what you think, what is truth. For you, there is no general truth. And anybody who believes that eventually drops out. They drop out into their own little world because it's, it's their only uh, chance at making a successful life. But I want you to know when you drop out, you miss out. The reason that I preach this sermon is because I think some of you are so frustrated with the systems that you have to deal with, you're about ready to drop out. Or maybe you recently have. I think some of you at your work think to yourself, you know what? This is stupid. They don't care about me. All they care about is producing widgets. I'm just a little widget maker to them. I, I'll do my job because I need the paycheck, but I'm drop, I, emotionally I'm not there anymore because it's just a system. And, and, and it's so impersonal. Some of you think that about the church. You know, I come and I come and they don't care about me. It's just so impersonal. Well, I got a couple of suggestions. First of all, try a small group. I mean, we, we want you involved. We want you connected and we'll do everything we can to get you connected. But if you, even, if you, even if you are thinking that the, that, that the whole system doesn't know you, never will know you, and doesn't care about you, do you really think that God can't do you any good if you stay within that system? What about the government? Some of you are just so fed up, you won't vote anymore. You just say, what difference does that make? I, I'm just one vote. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They don't care about me. They just care about getting enough money to get reelected. That's all they care about. 
And so you're not participating. You've dropped out. Some of you are doing that in, in your marriages or in, in your relationships. You think, well, this is just, you know, I'm just here to, you know, empty the garbage or wash the clothes or whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get divorced, but I'm not in there anymore. I'm just, I just kind of, whatever. Just, I just don't care anymore. Don't drop out. If you drop out, you miss out. And let me tell you why not to drop out. Because even if you are right about the huge system that you face, even if you're right about the world system, here's what you got to remember. That which looks so powerful, that which looks like it doesn't care about you is the very thing that God will use to get, where you, to get you where you need to be to make a difference. That's exactly what happened with Jesus. You see, it looked like he faced the two mightiest systems on the face of the earth. And it looked like they had all the power, didn't it? But didn't we just sing, this is my father's world. And let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. The point is that God's rule is so strong and so complete that no matter how bad the big systems are, God will still bring you to where you need to be through them. In spite of them, many times. I know how you feel. I, I, I know, I bet, I bet Elijah, when he faced one of the biggest world systems of religion ever, felt insignificant. And I bet he felt from time to time, who am I to think that God's going to use me? In, when he faced the 450 prophets of Baal, 1 Kings 18. You remember that scene, don't you? I mean, here was, I mean, this was a religious going on. This was, this was, this was 450 hepped up prophets of Baal. They were having a little contest. You remember this? And, and, and they had two altars, Baal altar, Jehovah altar. And, and, and rocks, rocks, wood, wood, offering, offering. And, and they were trying to get to see if, if God wouldn't light their fire. And so the, ba the, the prophets of Baal just danced and danced and danced and danced. Hot, hip. Boy, it was, a, it, was a, it was a happening place. They were shouting and they danced for a couple hours. And, and then Elijah just, you know, kind of getting their goat. He looked at me and said, you know, boys, nothing's happening here. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you ought to shout a little louder. And boy, they did. It kind of made them mad. And, and, the, and the Bible says they began to rave. They began actually to rave and dance harder and they began to cut themselves because all world religion knows that if you if you hurt yourself, then God will really pay attention to you. Yeah, it's, it's true. All all worldly religion assumes that if I am penitent enough, if I feel guilty enough, if I feel bad enough, if I hurt myself enough, then God will know how sincere I am and then he'll answer me. Now, now they didn't get that out of Christianity, but they got that. So anyhow, they start cutting themselves. <clears throat> Baal doesn't do anything. Finally, they're so tired and they're probably bleeding so bad, they sit down. And then Elijah, just as calm as he can be, says, I tell you what, let's dig a moat around that altar I got. It's too dry. <laughs> so they dig a moat and they fill it up with water. And he says, I tell you what, let's just pour water on that wood. It doesn't look, it looks dry. Better pour water on that wood. If God's going to light fire on it, he, you know, I, let's just pour water on it. So they pour water on the wood. He said, let's do it again. They, they do it again. He said, let's do it again. They do it again. And then Elijah says this. Oh, God, answer me. 
and fire came down from heaven and consumed that altar. Do you think for a minute that out of all of that huge religious display that God for one minute forgot about Elijah? Do you really think that in the midst of no matter how much, how many religious people you're among, God for one minute forgets you? Not for a minute. What does it mean when you say something's impersonal? Does it mean you're not in control or does it mean God's not in control? Because if it means you're not in control, there's a news flash. <laughs> you never were. Oh, how about that? But if it means God's not in control, oh, you're so wrong. He was never out of control. He never will be out of control. I know how frustrated you can get when you face government and when, when there's an election year and everybody's promising everybody so they can just get elected. So I, know you, I know that. I know you, I know you think that the, that the government doesn't care about you and, and pretty much you're right. But God does. God really does. I mean, th think of Joseph. Think of Joseph. Just, now here's a, here's a boy who just thought he was going to do great things for God. And then his brother sold him off into slavery. And it, and it sold him to the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites took him to, to, to the house of Potiphar. Well, Potiphar didn't know him from up. And his wife didn't know him from up. And that's why when she propositioned him and he, he said no, they threw him into jail. Now, now here Joseph is in jail. He's, he's just a victim of the system. He's innocent. I mean, he really is innocent. Victim of the system. He's sitting in there thinking, oh, man, man, this government doesn't care about me. This is so huge and so impersonal. And it was impersonal to Joseph all the way to when he became second in command of the mightiest nation on the face of the earth. How could that happen? Because God never forgot about him. See, what does impersonal mean? Does that mean you're not in control or God's not in control? Now, Joseph had it right when he looked at his brothers one day and he said, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You've got to understand this. No matter how victimized you feel right now, no matter how much you feel like nobody's paying attention, the system isn't paying attention, God's paying attention. And he's getting you right in the position you need to be to take your next step for him. I know some of you are fighting disease and you think you're fighting nature and nature's all impersonal and nature doesn't pay attention to you. And you know what? You're right. But God does. Sometimes you think, you're, you're tempted to think it's all, it's all physics. It's all a combination of molecules. It's all about natural laws. I bet Jonah was tempted to think about that. You know, in his world, I bet he, th he thought that, that he could just escape into nature, away from God. Remember when God came to him and said, Jonah, Jonah, I want you to preach to the Ninevites. Well, Jonah didn't like Ninevites. And so he didn't want to do it. And so he thought to himself, well, this is pretty easy. I'll just use nature and escape from God. And so since, since Nineveh was on land, he went to sea. And since Nineveh was this way, he went that way. That's simple law of physics. Problem was, when he got out there, there was a pretty big storm. And, and at first, when the storm came up, Jonah was probably thinking, hmm, storm. <laughs> got nothing to do with me. But then it got worse. And it started to dawn on him. Some of you need to listen to this real close. Because you're right in the middle of a storm and it's beginning to dawn on you. It's got something to do with God communicating to you. And so right in the middle of the storm, he started thinking, oh boy, I think this is about me. And so he told the people on board, said, you know what? I think this is my fault. I kind of told God no. And, and I, think he's, I think he's doing this. Well, 
they were nice enough not to throw him off right away, but when the storm got bad, he, they threw him off, which is pretty much what happens with people. So they threw him off, and then he got swallowed by a big fish. We'll call it a whale. I don't know whether it was a whale, but it's a big fish. Leviathan, big fish, big sea monster. I love that word. So, so there he is, and he's not dead. He's in the stomach of a whale. And he's thinking, hmm, okay, impersonal laws of nature, I don't think so. Uh, okay, I think God's trying, okay, I'm going to communicate with God. God, deliver me. Now, here's just a good idea for some of you right now. You need to pray this, because you're sitting in that belly, and, and you, you know you're not going anywhere until God vomits you up from someplace. <laughs> you just need to be vomited up. And so you say, God, deliver me, and God's going to vomit you up where he needs you to be. And then he's going to speak to you again, just like he did Jonah. After, after jo Jonah, you know, here's Jonah up, uh, you know, up on shore, all this whale vomit all over him. And God comes to him again and says, hey, Jonah, why don't you go to Nineveh? You know what Jonah said? Oh, that Nineveh. <laughs> this is the point. It doesn't matter how many systems we build. God is in control of every one of them. And if God's in control of the system and God loves you, guess what? God's going to use that system in order to get you to where you need to be. It looks like God's going to bury you. God's going to resurrect you. It looks like the system is going to do you in. God's going to do you up. And you need to remember that. You know one of the most brilliant mathematicians that ever lived, Isaac Newton. Isaac was the Einstein before Einstein. He wrote the, he wrote the Principia, the, the principles of mathematics and natural theology, in which he first described the entire universe in mathematical formulas. If anyone, anyone in the world ever looked at the universe as a machine, it was Newton. But you know what he wrote at the end in summary when he wrote under the title of the world system? He wrote this. God works every part, not as a world soul, but as the Lord of all. Systems ain't got the power. God's got the power. Always been like that. It'll always be like that. Worship team, come back up for our last song. And as they're coming up, let me pray for us. God, we're not smart enough to figure out what you're doing through the systems. But just like Jesus, we don't have to worry about it. That's all in your hands. Help us just to speak to the people who are in front of us, to be sensitive to them, to what you might be doing in their lives, and serve them as best we can. And Lord, just like Jesus, it may get worse for us before it gets better. But just like Jesus, we know this, that no matter how far down we go, you're going to bring us up. Because you are the God that doesn't go down for long before you arise. Oh God, arise. Yahweh, bring us up to where you need us to be. To where we can serve and love people like your son Jesus. Oh God, arise. In Jesus' name, amen.